Welcome to the one and only Circle City Sediment with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Hello. Welcome back to Circle City Cinema, the disgusting brothers with our succession weekly review here on Thursday nights. I'm your host, Zach Griffith, and I'm joined as always by the host of the Basketball Power Hour, the founder and the CEO of the Running Hook Podcast Network, Alexander Burr. Zach, I just have, I have to tell you, um, the future of the running hook isn't bright because I may have lied about our subscription numbers in, uh, India. <laughs> it's, it's almost as if it'd be like if there was another India, that's, yeah, I, that's how I thought they were suspiciously high. I thought they were suspiciously high. <laughs> well, but, actually in all seriousness, didn't we get a listener in like Bulgaria once? We we've had a couple, um, if you're listening to this in the Czech Republic, I believe, or che- Czechia, I believe is the official name now. Um, shout out to you. We've had we've had a couple of people all across the there. globe. Yes, I think we've had some in India. I, actually, in India, um, I don't believe those numbers were inflated by Spotify. <laughs> At least I hope not. Um, Will Jordan Poole yeah. be listening to us from Shanghai next year? I, listen, um, <laughs> I'm not as I'm not as critical as a. Uh, as you guys are in Jordan Poole, but he, he has been pretty bad. There's you got to call a spade a spade there. Um, yeah, I don't think. Well, first of all, his contract has four more years on it, so he's not going to Shanghai at least until 2028. That's a shame. That's a shame if you're a, if you're a Warriors fan. But anyway, yes. Uh, you know the subscriber numbers, Alex. A lot came out in this episode. A lot of emotions came unraveled a lot of revelations in terms of uh business ethics if you will but i think we have to start with what you just said uh mattson fraud is he a fraud i think the answer is yes i mean if you're if you're fudging numbers like subscribers which in the business he's in that's everything. Subscribers are everything. If you're fudging those numbers, you're what else are you fudging? What else are you fudging? I'd say he's quite literally a fraud. Um, is that not the textbook definition of committing fraud? Um And he, yeah, and he acts like one too. The way he acts, he just seems like, you know, I'm getting away with this. Nobody now it all makes sense the way he's acting. Like Yes, right. I'm new money, but I I'm I'm rich. It's all based on partly a lie and nobody has caught on yet. So they probably never will. And now they have, and it's crashing. Right. All around. And if you know what, this all could have been prevented if he just didn't send Emma his blood. And didn't, yeah, if he didn't army hammer himself, you know, he might. Have, right. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he clearly just doesn't have the capital that he says he does. Um, so he can't buy Waystar Royco, I believe no, is can. the implication. Who of does what... have the capital? Exactly. He was kind of like the safety net um, there to save Waystar Royco. And now who, who could possibly be there on the other side of that tunnel if it falls through? And obviously, you know, Ken thinks it's him. Well, 
we'll see how that goes. I don't uh, 1000% trust it yet. Um, but I, I think that they're realizing the sale. I mean, everyone else kind of, let me, let me put it this way. I don't think Roman and Ken knew they were doing the right thing, but they eventually did the right thing <laughs> through no, um, it wasn't their fault. Fault isn't the right word. They kind of fumbled into doing the right thing <laughs> in this situation where it was they like, did. They unknowingly, unknowingly, right. you know, it's just like bumbled into like, Oh, Hey, Matson has no money. Would you look at that? When they were trying to get the deal canceled for other ulterior motives, but now True. they have like the perfect cover. Yeah. Like, Oh, look, we, we knew this guy was a fraud all along. No, you didn't. You just kind of fucked up your way into finding out. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to cancel it because of their own egos. When actually they're actually helping themselves and they don't even know it. Like you said, cause Madison's a fraud. And I do think to your, to your question. Yes. I do think that's literally the definition of fraudulent, fraudulent activity. I think that, I think Madsen, <laughs> Madsen's doing that right now. But that was the big revelation of the episode. Uh, also, one of the finest acted scenes uh, that we'll get into out of the whole series uh, between Shiv and Tom on the balcony. We'll save that for later after we get into things we've seen lately Alex all I had uh, for this one was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 which I don't know if you've seen it yet but it is precisely what the MCU needed especially from their movie realm because they haven't put out in my opinion a legitimately good or great movie since No Way Home and that was in December of 21. So we're going on almost a year and a half ago. Now, this one, not only did I think it was a great movie, perfect end to, in my opinion, the second best trilogy in the MCU behind only the Captain America trilogy, which is nothing to scoff at if you're second behind that. Uh, great send-off for these characters, Got a lot of closure. Great send off for James Gunn too, as he goes to run DC now. Um, hopefully for the better. I, I was just very pleased with it. Um, I didn't care that it was two and a half hours. I didn't care. I, 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 I quite frankly, I was blown away by it, which I did not think I would ever say again about an MCU movie. But here we are. To be fair. And you acknowledge this in the episode about this movie. But the Black Panther 2 kind of got was doomed from the start and getting that movie out was an accomplishment. Black Panther 2, I thought, was really good. Yeah, getting that movie out in and of itself was an accomplishment. It was dealing with the circumstances, you know. For a franchise of this caliber, like dealing with those kind of circumstances, it's an impossible spot. And Ryan Coogler, unsurprisingly, handled it with a deft touch. And I thought, you know, it like you said, I would agree it wasn't a great movie, but I think Phase 4 is getting a lot of flack. And Black Panther 2, by <laughs> just by association, is in Phase 4. And yeah. I think Black Panther 2... No Way Home. And you could maybe talk me into Multiverse of Madness, although it's not my absolute favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. 
those three are the ones that are going to stand out. I, obviously, I have yet to see um, Guardians 3. I'm going to see it this Saturday. So, like a day after this comes out, I will be sitting down in the theater with some popcorn watching this wonderful movie. Um, I, I just think Marvel... I don't know, Zach. We're kind of in a weird spot with Marvel because now like all the um, stars of the last decade are kind of retiring out. Where do you think they go right, from here now? They're getting phased out. Well, I think that's the question on every MCU viewer's mind. Um, you know, before I went and saw this movie, I watched the Guardians Holiday Special, which came out in December of last year, which I hadn't seen it yet. I wanted to watch it, so that way I was caught up on everything Guardians-related. wasn't missing anything, and I actually enjoyed the Holiday Special. It was the first, uh, or it was the second MCU special presentation. Um, and it was after a werewolf by night, which I watched actually after I got home from the theater for guardians three. I really enjoyed that too. So I, I like those that Marvel does the special presentations. I think that is something to keep an eye on. It's something different. You know, the MCU, it seems like, Everybody always says like the MCU formula. Every movie follows the MCU formula, and those ones didn't really, especially Werewolf by Night. So I really appreciated that that they try to do something different. But uh, as for where the MCU is going, what I liked about this one was it was it stayed true to this particular franchise within a franchise, the Guardians franchise. Um, stayed true to those characters, whereas you know in Infinity War. In Endgame, you saw a different side of those characters. Now they're in their own; they're back in their own realm. They can be themselves, uh, and just lowering the stakes again. You know, the stakes in this one were centered around one character and that character's fate in the whole movie. It wasn't just you know the whole universe or whole planets' fate. So that was kind of nice. Uh, but to use to use uh, Bryce Shaddy uh, lexicon, MCU was getting too cute in Phase Four mm. and the beginning of Phase Five. They were getting too cute. You know, A Man and the Wasp I thought was pretty good, but it was you know they got cute with a couple things. Um, Black Widow I thought was getting a little cute. Uh, I, I like Shang-Chi. Um, Eternals didn't live up to what it could have been. Now you get this movie that I think could be a launching pad for what comes next. Although, uh, when we get to my Miss Me uh, selection, you might you might think differently. But I think the MCU is going in a place where they're trying to get away from that so-called formula. <laughs> that has gotten them so far and brought them so much success. And I don't know if that's a good idea to, to go away from that. Fair enough. Um, I did forget Shang-Chi. I did like that movie a good deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, good. still four movies you liked versus how much they put out in phase four. Um, right. And Marvel seems to be going back to quality right. over quantity approach. At least you, at least you would hope. So, I don't know. 
Um, I, I'm excited to see Guardians. I'm excited to be, you know, immersed in that world one last time. And yeah, it seems like a, a good show. I'll I'll tell you what I watched. I finished up last night. You could probably guess what I watched last night. <laughs> I finished The Mandalorian finally. It only took me it only took me a couple of months after the show ended to finally finish the show. Well, actually, you watched no, it like a normal just... person and not a psychopath like me. It ended uh, two weeks ago, I think. Oh, so I'm not that far off. Yeah, you're not the that other far episodes. Off. I mean, I didn't the watch other... season two as it was coming out. I watched it all at once after the fact. So the last two episodes were bangers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Favreau, Favreau's fingerprints all over him. Um, Din Grogu? Fuck yeah. Din Grogu, bitch. Din Grogu. Here to stay. Part of the clan. The Mandalorian clan. He's here. That's right. Um, Mando's just gonna raise uh, He's just gonna raise a little Jedi. I got, I, I was a little um, under the influence of something last night, and so I looked it up because I was curious. It's like, how much do you think Carl Weathers is making per episode? Just to go, Mando. <laughs> That's pretty much all. He Mando. It's I love high Carl. Magistrate. I love Carl Weathers in as was it Grief Karga? Grief Karga, high magistrate. Grief Karga. He always makes me smile every time he's on the screen. But um Carl Weathers apparently pulls in twenty thousand an episode for the Mandalorian. It's a solid payday. Um more than solid. He's in a lot of episodes. Yeah. Yeah, he was in way more this season than he was last season. Oh yeah. He was in like He probably made a hundred grand then I, this I mean you have to imagine I don't think he was in or wasn't in he was in most of the episodes but I, I thought it was a banger um, really good and then I was trying to fight off the sleep from this performance enhancer last night and I got like 20 minutes into Kingsman mm. I got to the bar fight and then I, I passed out <laughs> but I, I intend on watching it after the games tonight because I do love the Kingsman. Um, yeah, that movie is incredible. The church scene with a uh, yeah, the church scene. Samuel L. Jackson's great in that movie. It's kind I of Taron Edgerton's coming out party. That yeah. franchise. Yeah, he's oh. great in it too. Um, yeah, I just really like the Kingsman. Shout out to that movie. I haven't seen the whole like trilogy or whatever, or I don't know if it's a trilogy, but I've only seen the first one. Um, Sweet. Are the rest of them good? I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming you've seen them. Uh, I actually have not. I have not wow. seen any of them. You haven't seen. Okay. Wow. You got, you'd like the Kingsman. I know I would. Let me look up what they're on. This is a shocker. Actually. You haven't seen the Kingsman? No, I haven't seen any. No. Okay, it looks like they're on wow. HBO. That's actually shocking. Yeah, they're on HBO. 
Well, I remember the King's Man because it was supposed to come out like three different times and it just never did. It just never came out and then it finally did and then it it bombed. (laughs) I I just thought I knew you, man. I thought I could trust you. Yeah, well, learn something new. (laughs) You learn something new every day. It's absolute fucking banger. Watch it. Love it. I'm sure you've seen clips from it before. But I have, yeah. I've seen the church scene. Yeah, the church scene is absolutely wild. Um, Taron Edgerton is really good in it. Watch it. It's well worth your time. It's on my list on HBO already, so I don't I don't really know what I'm waiting for. But the way I am with my list on streaming services is it's just like... I get to it when I get to it. I always eventually get to it. You know, I hit my Netflix list pretty hard uh, before the playoffs started. And now I, I don't even know the last time I got on Netflix uh, ever since the playoffs started. But yeah, that's that's how I am with my list. I, I get to them when I get to them. When I'm in the mood, I go hard at them. So, uh, well, let's get in the news here, Alex. Uh, something I actually called for on this pod... I believe it was on this pod. If not, it was off the record. Disney Plus and Hulu. I believe it was on a Disgusting Brothers pod. Uh, we were calling for this. Disney Plus and Hulu combining into one streaming service by the end of this year. Praise the heavens. Praise the streaming heavens. A merger that actually makes sense, Alex. I guess my question is, are they just putting all the Disney Plus stuff on Hulu or are they putting it? Or is See, it vice versa? That, that is the thing. Like, what do you. I'm assuming they'll put it all on Disney Plus and just do away with the Hulu because Disney owns both of them, obviously. But so. Disney, from my understanding, Disney doesn't own 100% of Hulu. Disney owns. Like the Disney properties. Maybe they will Hulu. just take, yeah. Maybe they'll just take the properties they own, put them on Disney Plus, and then I don't know what happens to Hulu after that. Hulu, one of the, you know, one of the staples of the streaming community for years, years and years. So do you that's know anyone weird who has without a, um, <laughs> Do you know anyone who actually has a ad free, um. Hulu, ad free Hulu, yeah. No, I don't. I actually don't. I don't. I use uh, the lovely Abigail's Hulu, and uh, there's ads on there. Of course, but I no, I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know anyone who doesn't have ad free or has ad free. I don't know anyone who has ad free. It's like crazy expensive. Um, so Hulu, because I was, I was correct about this. Hulu is owned sixty six percent by Disney, thirty three percent by Comcast. But um, basically, by the end of next year, one of them will have sole ownership of Hulu, and it doesn't sound like it'll be Comcast. Hmm. I'm not going to read. Well, then the I wonder if they details. push it another year. 
I wonder if they just push the merger another year so that way Disney has 100% ownership and take the whole thing. It's because listen, I'm you know, they put all a lot of shows from a lot of channels that aren't just Disney owned. I'm pretty sure NBC still puts all that. NBC owns Comcast, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, uh, There's a bunch of Law and Order shows on Hulu, which of course was on NBC. Uh, All that stuff. Of course, they have Peacock now, so I guess they won't be as impacted if Hulu's gone from them. But Hulu was a good way. You know, Hulu gets a lot of shit, and rightfully so. Um, One of the things they were good for was if a show aired, like it was going to be on Hulu, like on network television. It was going to be. They were probably the the first one. Yeah, they were probably the first ones to do that. They mastered that. And HBO does it, but HBO also owns their own shows for the most part. Um, Netflix, like how long was it between like a show ending on AMC, like Breaking Bad? A long time. It was a long time. Like they just put the last season of Better Call Saul on Netflix and that was like a year ago. Yeah. So um, Hulu has that like up on its, you know, competitors because a lot of those shows you can find on Hulu you can find on other streaming services but like I said you can find them the next day so this is going to be interesting to see for a, a lot of perspectives but I think that um I don't know if they keep Hulu's like if they keep that aspect of Hulu I don't think people will be as pissed off but I think a lot of people I think Hulu's probably the second most common one after Netflix that people have I'd have to imagine. Yeah, I, it's, it's it's them or uh, Disney. I feel like a lot of people have Disney now, but yeah, like I said, if you're if you're building a like a rush war of the streaming services, I mean, who is probably on there? I would say it's Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Disney Plus right now. Make a case for Prime, I guess, but Prime. Prime, I feel like targets a certain niche. Like, like my dad, my dad loves Prime because there's a bunch of stuff on there that he loves. You know, the the spy genre, the thriller genre, old movies from when he was a kid. Like, I feel like it targets a certain demographic, age demographic, and yeah, it doesn't. It's not really in the same. I don't put it in the same category as the four I mentioned. I mean, the only thing I watch on Prime is, well, Invincible and the Boys. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's these, like you said, a lot of these streaming mergers have been bad. This one could be good. I just, I'm going to hold that hope until, you know, I'll see how it goes. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Hulu might be done. Don't know. Maybe Comcast takes it, does something with it. Don't know. But we'll find out about that. Uh, Sounds like by the end of the year. Uh, Alex, some box office news. Across the Spider-Verse, which comes out early June, tracking for a opening weekend of 70 to $80 million. Uh, I imagine both of us will be there opening weekend to see this movie. Uh, one of my most anticipated movies of the year. 
if not the most anticipated. I'd say it's this it's this or Oppenheimer for me. Uh really excited for it. Um can't literally can't wait. I saw saw some news today that's gonna end on a cliffhanger. I don't really like it when they do that. You know, it's kinda like when WandaVision was airing and they said there's gonna be a Luke Skywalker esque cameo and it wasn't. You know, I, I just don't I don't I don't like it. I don't want any details. I don't want any details. I wanna see it for myself, you know. But as if there was any doubt this movie was gonna be a box office success. Now now it seems like we're getting a good idea of of how big of a success it'll be. <laughs> it's gonna be I mean, listen. Well, Mario's already been like a pretty Mario made over a billion. success. Yeah. But I think it could be bigger than Mario um, in terms of animated movies. Because, I mean, did you see Mario? Yeah, I did. I actually enjoyed it. As a Mario fan, I enjoyed it. I'm not... I'm just asking out of ignorance here. Did Mario have much in the way of, like, a coherent plot? (laughs) Well, you know, at the beginning, I was a little wary... I didn't know what they were doing, especially with the two main characters, Mario and Luigi. Their little origin didn't make a lot of sense to me, but as it went on, the movie got better as it went on, I'll say that. The plot as well. Fair enough. I still think plot-wise, I mean, we saw, you and I gush about the plot of the first Spider-Verse. I think It's revolutionary for a for a superhero movie. Exactly. That'll have it be um the animation style is great. Um also young, revolutionary. Young old comic book fan. I mean it's going to draw a lot of people and I know Mario probably had a lot of appeal like because it's Mario and it's Nintendo but I I still just think Spider-Man's going to absolutely destroy it at the box office. So I'm not going to say it'll go like full 2 bill cuz that's insane. <laughs> But plus, we've been waiting for what five years now for a sequel. Uh, yeah, this is so, year five. Twenty eighteen was twenty eighteen was the year of Spider Man, dude. Yeah, it got Spider Man PS four and Spider Verse. And twenty twenty three is also the year of Spider Man because Spider Man two is coming out this year, isn't it? Or did it already come out? It is. It is coming out in the fall. So yeah. yeah, this is and Craven, the Craven movie. So much Spider-Man coming out this year. Oh, like in 2018, you had Venom. The first Venom movie came out. <laughs> well, every five years, I guess it's just the year of Spider-Man. They need to change that saying. Spider-Man things come in threes. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, <laughs> but I love like. I will absolutely be there opening weekend. I refuse to miss it. Um, you will be there opening weekend. It's going to be a smash hit. Like, there's absolutely no way it's not a smash hit. It's going to be a smash hit. I believe the first one, it was kind of a sleeper hit. And it caught, you know, it did fine in theaters, but it really caught steam among audiences. I feel like after, in the months after it came out. Or even the couple years after it came out, but still made almost four hundred billion, or not four hundred billion, fuck, four hundred million 
on a 90 million budget, which is outstanding for an animated movie. So I expect, I would guess around 700 million at the least for this one, which again is a shitload for an animated movie. So I can't wait for it. Like I said, one of my, one, one of my two or three most anticipated movies of the year, if not the most anticipated, um, really Really cool to see them tell an original story with a character who's been around for, you know, 50, 60 years. It's, it's, it's cool. Uh, moving on to uh, some somber news. Uh, Jamie Foxx, undisclosed medical situation. Uh, family released a statement or... Uh, I saw some articles saying the family was quote, uh, preparing for the worst. And, you know, I think last week we said he was on the up and up and now it doesn't seem that way. I, I don't really know what's happening here. It doesn't sound like anyone knows what's happening medically with him, but Alex, we might be on the brink of losing one of the biggest movie stars of the past 20 years. Very unexpectedly. Biggest, biggest movie stars, um, best singers, um, one of the best um, impressionists. I mean, a Just lot of a world class talent. Yeah, people throw out like most talented all the time. Like they throw it out for a lot of people. I won't name names because I'm not going to be that disrespectful tonight. Um, but Jamie Fox, man. A once in a lifetime talent that we like people you and I aren't nearly the first people to say like he's super duper talented at everything he tries his hand at but I still don't think he's appreciated enough and I don't think he will be and if something awful happens to him lord willing I'll keep my fingers crossed for him I hope that's not what it takes for us to recognize like what an awesome like performer what a, again, awesome singer. He's a really good singer. Um, it's an awesome singer. A great, actually, a great video that will gauge his talent level for you. He was on Jimmy Fallon like eight or nine years ago. And Jimmy Fallon does that uh, karaoke impression or whatever it is the impression wheel. And Jamie Foxx was on it one day and he fucking nailed all of them. Like six or seven impressions in a row. It was incredible. I mean, you can find the clip on YouTube. I mean, I'm not even joking. I was like, I mean, the crowd was laughing, but it was incredible. He sounded like every one of the people, all of them. Have you heard his Doc Rivers impression? It's awesome. It's spot on. It's spawn on. And I saw some clips on Twitter like a month or two ago, him talking to Denzel, impersonating impersonating Denzel from Training Day or from uh, Remember the Titans, you know, famous Denzel movies. But if you look at, if you just look at his 2004 alone, you know, 04 Oscars wins the, Ox, the Oscar for Best Actor for Ray playing Ray Charles. And he's also nominated in another category, Best Supporting Actor for Collateral. 
And of course, he's the star of one of the best Tarantino movies of all time, uh, Django Unchained, one of our favorite movies ever, Alex, I think it's fair to say. Uh, he's just a world-class talent. Not you know, not just a movie star, not just a singer. All aspects of entertainment. The guy is everywhere. I mean, we see him a lot nowadays on these commercials for Bet MGM. And it's going to be really weird to see those if he does pass, uh, God forbid. But, you know, it seems like every now and then you get a celebrity tragedy or passing that comes out of nowhere. And maybe this is just uh, another one of those, Alex. I really hope not. I hope not either. Um, Also in 2004, he had uh, the song Slow Jams with which i believe is technically twist's song but most people know it as a kanye song um that song was number one on the charts in 2004 on the billboard hot 100 and he sings the chorus in that song and it's just like what what couldn't he do he was on top of the fucking world and i had a better 04 than him i mean the only people who had better 04 were Red Sox fans. That's I think that's probably it. Pistons? Eh, I don't think they were. They won one in 88. I don't, or in 89. Sorry, I don't, they're not as cursed as the Red Sox were. Good point. The Red Sox probably. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that's another year it. for Spider Man 04. Spider Man 2. Spider Man 2. <laughs> Jamie Foxx was a Spider Man villain. He was a Spider Man villain. Yeah. He was uh, Electro. In Amazing Spider-Man 2. And got redeemed in No Way Home. I mean, the guy, the guy's incredible range. Like I said, he was nominated for two different awards in the same year for playing Ray Charles and a cab driver who was held hostage at gunpoint in Collateral, one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, two very different movies, very different performances. Just speaks to his talent level. It'll be really sad if he does end up passing, but the news the news on this has been wildly inconsistent. I don't know what to believe. So, you know, who knows? Maybe next week he's out of the hospital. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, you know, we're hoping we're hoping he makes it through this. Uh, moving on to the Bryce Shaddy Please Miss Me Award before we dive into the episode here. Alex, I, I need to go first here. I need to go first. I need to go first. So all due respect, I need to go first. We're we're talking about the MCU earlier with Guardians 3, which, as I said, was exactly what the MCU needed. A nice pivot uh, to end to end a great trilogy, to, to bring back some of the old ways. Well, a trailer I saw when I was at Guardians 3 was for the next Marvel movie to come out this year, The Marvels. Alex, it's on the short list for the worst trailer I've ever seen. Worst trailer I've ever seen. Uh, absolutely no hype in my body for this movie. None. Uh, there's only one MCU movie ever that I haven't seen in the theater, and it was The Eternals. This might be the second one. This might be the second one. I, You know, Captain Marvel, I thought, was a... I like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. I really do. I like uh, Tiona Paris. We saw her in WandaVision. 
Um, I haven't seen Miss Marvel by all accounts. It's not very good. Caleb Lynn tells me it sucks. I'm going to watch it because I'm an MCU degenerate and I have to watch all of that content. But you know, when an MCU movies announced, no matter what it is, you generally look forward to it. I'm not looking forward to this one. I'm not looking forward to this one at all. The trailer looked cheesy. It looked annoying. It looked like Sam Jackson was just collecting checks. I don't, I just don't, and I don't know where they're going with this character in particular. You know, in past MCU characters, you've been able to tell, you know, they have a good arc. I feel like they've really gone awry with Captain Marvel's arc. Uh, They got off to a bad start with her. It it just feels like a missed opportunity with that character. And this movie, I feel like, is going to be a massive failure, which you can't say that about a lot of MCU projects, but... Totally out on this movie, just based off one trailer. Totally out on it. You know what? Um, I don't think I'll have anything that'll top that. Um, I still haven't seen Cap or the first Captain Marvel movie. I've seen like part of it. I don't think I've watched it all the way through. Um, and it's been what four years. I'm not really interested in going back and watching it. I don't know. I would. Eh, I think I might sit this one out. I mean, it was, it was, they set Captain Marvel kind of up to fail. They kind of sent her up to fail because they release it right the month before Endgame comes out. And of course, the the teaser at the end of Infinity War is about her. It's about Captain Marvel. And so her movie comes out the month before Endgame. I just thought it was unfair to play her up as this you know this game breaker in the war against Thanos when she did not turn out to be that at all uh, she had a couple good moments in Endgame but for the most part I think people people's problem with her was <laughs> wow not what I thought I was getting based on all the hype around it so seems like that's what is going to happen again just feels like a missed opportunity by Marvel here which you really, again, you really can't say that a lot about characters they develop. But anyway, what do you got? What do you got for this one? Um, yeah, you know, Mark Jackson um, leaving this- Jokic off his ballot. Sure. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> honestly, that doesn't um miss me on LeBron making a nineteenth All NBA team. I don't know. I just don't think he played enough games this year. But also, Miss me on Larry Market in making it. They should have just not had a six forward this year and just given it to another guard. Honestly, John Morant should have made it over LeBron. I don't care. Um, he was more deserving than half the forwards that made it. That's why I miss me. I understand. Next year, it's going to be positionless. Next year's the year where they're changing the awards. Um, what do you think about that? I haven't had a real good chance to talk about this on the Power Hour because it's been so much to talk about. We'll I tease it a little the, bit. Just give a little I, teaser. Well, so the awards aspect, listen. Um, I think 65 is too much for the limit with where the NBA is going with the injuries because it's not like all these guys are load managing, right? And I mean, even when the guys are load managing, they're still tearing their meniscus. So... I don't, you know, 
clearly something's broken here in your product that forcing these guys to play 65 games just to get a supermax is actually it's going to be more harmful than it it's going to hurt more people because then eventually more people are going to get supermaxes that don't deserve them right like let's 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 do a hypothetical do a hypothetical for me zach okay we both like terry Saliburton a good deal okay but let's just say he doesn't get any better we let's just say he doesn't get any better next year but he plays 65 games okay but john morant again just to use another example he only played 64 games but had much better statistics had much better you know whatever wouldn't you agree John Morant's more deserving of the All-NBA team than Tyrese Halliburton. Sure. But in the new system, it's not going to be like that because they're going to give it to the guy who played 65 games instead of 64, and it's going to mess up Supermaxes. It's going to be... And no one's going to be happy. No one is going to be happy. And they shouldn't have ever tied um, Supermaxes to All-NBA teams, so that's another discussion for another time. I agree with that. I agree it's going... It's going to mess a lot of people's contracts up. It's going to give a lot of people a lot of scrubs, supermaxes too. I think that's an unintended consequence that we're going to be like, huh? Again, <laughs> not well, necessarily. Well, marketing got a supermax. We might be that's saying that exactly the name I was going to say. <laughs> wow, Tobias Harris, supermax. Demontis huh. Sabonis got a supermax. Honestly, at this, playoff series. at this point, I think he might be eligible. He's oh, no, this was his first All NBA team. If he makes See, I'm not giving team. him a supermax though. I'm not giving him a supermax based off, you know. I mean, yes, the Kings had a historic season, whatever, but you should have to bet in the playoffs when I need you the most. I'm not giving you two hundred million dollars for that. I'm just not. Here's here's the psychology behind it, though, Zach. If you can offer the supermax and you're not offering the supermax, I'm gonna be like, what the fuck? Why aren't you offering me the supermax? And so you're in a tricky spot. It's franchise wise. I. For once, I sympathize with the teams on this and only this regard. Because, like I said, you're going to have some real guys at the bottom of the barrel. You're going to be like shooting fish. Like, you're going to be like really needing to like dig through the apple cart, basically. Like, nope, that apple spoiled. That apple spoiled. Oh, here. Here's a, um, who's a guy who, here's a Boyan Bogdanovich. All right. So uh, it's, it's just going to have unintended consequences that I don't think the league saw coming. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think they should have tied it to All NBA either. Um, I think he's just offer the guy what you think he deserves, and if he if he leaves, he leaves. If he stays, he stays. You know that's how it used to be. Um, not saying the old ways are always good, but that one kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's. I don't like the media being able to determine if a guy can make more money or not. You know who else doesn't Just like it? Doesn't seem doesn't seem great. The media doesn't like it either, Zach. Yeah, because right. if you, let's just say right, like let's say you're a Celtics beat writer and you're covering the Celtics every day, and you don't vote for Jalen Brown, you're taking money out of his pocket. And in doing so, you're not going to get as good of stories. You're not going to get as good of access. Like if you if he sees you at a press conference, he's going to be like, "Dude, what the fuck? You didn't vote for me." And it's going to be a natural response. And like if you're like, say you're a Celtics beat writer or a beat writer for any team, 
the ideal thing, you want your team to be good. You at least want your team to be competitive. You know, you don't want to be the Hornets or the Pistons or something like that. So, of course, you're going to vote for Jalen Brown. Because, guess what? My team's going to be contending for a title. I have more to write about. I have one of the, well, I don't know, 20 best players in the league. Like, that's more fun to write about than what lottery pick are we getting next year. So, I don't... You know, I don't like that, but that's for an NBA pod. It's for an NBA pod, but that's a good miss me. It's a good miss me. Uh, Moving into the episode, we talked about Matson. Is he a fraud? Yes. End of story. Alex, let's get into the scene, the scene of the episode. And if not for Logan's death, probably the scene of the season, which is Shiv and Tom. Duking it out on the balcony, basically, when it seemed like they had sewn up all the wounds as much as you could, Tom is going around this party hearing, you know, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get shit canned. I think that's exactly the word he the wording he used. I'm gonna get shit canned when this when this deal is done. <laughs> or I'm you know, your brother's gonna shit can me. <laughs> No holds barred on the balcony between them. Uh, some of the best, some of the finest acting in the whole series. And I've seen a lot of people saying on Twitter, and I've heard it on some pods I listen to, that Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom, is the best actor in the series. I've heard that take. And if you're going to make that case, this is kind of exhibit A right here. I'm going to just be honest with you, Zach, I feel like the best acting performances in the show have all been Tom's. Like him on the beach, right? Him eating the chicken. <laughs> and because, you know, acting right. isn't just like yelling and stuff. It's a lot of subtle stuff, too. And McFadden is really good at making those faces. Like just doing the really like hmm, doing like the uh-huh doing the, you know, like the real subtle like one thing that's for sure is that him and Jesse Armstrong match made in heaven. Yes. Absolutely a match made in heaven. Like the ticks down perfectly. Um, the just everything about it. It's they're so good for each other. Um, but I, I think this this um scene was great. I think the a lot of his scenes last season were great. I think a lot again the one that always sticks in my mind is the one on the beach in season two followed immediately by him eating a piece of Logan's chicken <laughs> and Logan just going, what the fuck? Yeah. Did he just eat my chicken? <laughs> Absolutely. One of the funniest scenes in the whole show, but um, he really turned up the nail biting ferocity in this um, scene to like 11. I thought it was spectacular. And whose who's side are you on in this? Because I feel like there are valid points on both sides. I see why Shiv thinks, you know, Tom's only with me for my genetics, I think is what she said. Uh, which, you know, Tom has shown snake tendencies, but, I mean, Shiv, Shiv's the queen of snakes, as we're seeing here. She's playing both sides of the fence in this deal with Matson. So, <laughs> of course, I'm on Tom's side. Uh, you know, He's been treated like shit basically the whole marriage and before the marriage. 
Um, I don't think there's any coming back from this if you're if you're them. But uh, incredible stuff, incredible stuff on the balcony. I mean, Tom, in this season, really, he's swimming upstream in Shit's Creek. I mean, there's like, yeah, he's treading water. He doesn't have any allies. No. Doesn't have any. Um, and he knows it. He finally came to terms with it this episode. Yeah, he doesn't have any. Massa doesn't like him. Um, the brothers don't like him. I mean, they like they like Greg more than they like him. Which is always a bad sign. Um, no one likes him. And he... You can see it on his face. Like, I have no allies here. The one guy I could trust wasn't going to fuck me is dead. And now it's... Mm-hmm. Now what are you going to do? Like, he's he's stuck. He's, and now it's like he's yeah. running in mud. He's He got to the top of ATN, but where can he go from here? Because now who's going to hire him? Especially, you know, with the ATN reputation that is very much implied in the show. Tom, <laughs> uh, um, he's running out of hands to play. He's running out of hands to play. Uh, and speaking of ATN, election... This week's episode. Alex, Bryce gave me one of the boldest predictions I've ever heard. Okay. That Connor Roy will win the election. It's bold. (laughs) It's bold. When he said it, I was like, no. But he can definitely affect the election. He can affect the outcome, as we saw with, you know, Mencken, you know, uh, kind of spoiling our block in the backboard, but Mencken offering Connor all these administrative positions and Connor saying no, staying in the race. Who knows? Who so the fuck I, knows what Connor's role is going to play in this, in this election? Bryce thinks it's kind of like a weird foreshadowing almost. Is that kind yeah. of the... I could see it. This show doesn't really do twists like that, though. Like, they'll kind of surprise you. Like, a, like Logan dying was definitely a surprise, but also, like, we should have known after episode two, like, okay, this, this motherfucker's gonna die. Um, this, they've been telling us pretty squarely that Connor's only got, like, 1% of the vote, and Stacey does have it in his, like, Alaska, which doesn't matter in any election. I mean, I I also think logistically, okay, every Roy kid has to fall flat on their face at some point. We haven't really seen that from Connor yet. Him losing the election is probably going to be him falling flat on his face, no? It could be. We kind of saw it, or we kind of saw him fall flat on his face when his dad died. You know, he's just kind of like, he never liked me anyway. He was kind of in the episode before that when the kids were meeting with him. He wasn't really involved in that. You could tell he didn't like that he wasn't involved. He was just kind of there in the background. But, I mean, it could be. It could be, but, you know, this could be the time where he just falls 
flat on his ass, but he's going to play a big role. And I don't think Mankin would be trying to hire him for some, you know, bullshit ambassador position for Oman. (laughs) Then uh, if he wasn't somewhat concerned that the role he was going to play in the election, but I don't know. I think we're in for a powerhouse episode this week. I think it's it's going to go down on the wire. It's going to be like an actual uh, election night, I feel like. And that's can, exactly what they're going wait. for, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a powerhouse episode. I cannot wait. I, I just think, again, it's just going to be tough. I think that we, we can see it. <laughs> I think you're right. It will go down to the wire. This episode will be an absolute banger. But man, if Connor wins, if Connor wins, I'll come on here and say that the Lakers deserve the bubble championship. Uh. I'll do it. Well, I'll do it. In that case, in that case, I hope he doesn't win because asterisk, 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 but. Anyway, besides you, I don't think anyone hated that team more than me and Dylan, and they somehow won. The Bubble Lakers, the Bubble Lakers, the Bubble Lakers we despise that team. But I, I just man, the odds. I really love the scene where he was like, "I'm going to talk to my wool man about oh man, <laughs> however yeah. he said it." <laughs> of course, Connor would be the person to do that. He'd be the guy to do that. Of course, to make some bullshit. Yeah. But uh, moving into the categories here. Well, first I want to say things are coming up, Kendall. You know, I've been predicting all season here on Disgusting Brothers that Kendall is going to stand alone. Well, basically since Logan died, I've been I've been predicting or kind of wanting Lo- uh, Kendall to stand alone on top of Waystar Royco. <laughs> And it looks like it could happen through no doing of his own. Roman is being a dumbass. Tom is phasing himself out. Shiv is playing both sides of the fence, put her chips on the wrong table. Where Kendall is just like, yeah, man, let's build this thing up. And I feel like, I just feel like he's going to be by himself at the top of the mountain, Alex, when it's all said and done. So we haven't talked about this character coming back yet. Um, An early season favorite. Nate came back in this episode. Yes, which I think contributed to Tom's outburst. Yes. Oh, there was like a thousand. It was the um, straw breaking the camel's back for sure. Yeah, but it was um, rightfully so. Nate. So basically they brought Nate along to try to break up the deal regulatory wise. And they're like, you know, Hey, if you win, we'll give you look candles. Like if you win, we'll give you more favorable coverage. And Nate said something that was really powerful. He's like, I'm not, I'm not Gil and you're not your dad. And that's a good thing. And that's the first time I think we've heard someone give Kendall a genuine compliment. I think ever (laughs) on this show. I don't think anyone's ever been like, good job, Ken. Like, uh, other than la- at the end of last week, obviously. But, like, unprompted. With no reason to. No one's ever given Kendall a compliment on this show. And him saying that, I think, is going to matter a lot. Um, 
because Ken is kind of fumbling his way through it, but he's not doing a bad job. And I, I will say not everything came up Kendall in this episode, <laughs> which is why you said no fault of his own. Um, His daughter is being bullied by uh, people who are yeah, fans of his he company. He didn't really seem too concerned. No, no, he's not the best father. When was no. the last time we saw Iverson? I was going to say, when's the last time we saw his kids? When's the last, when's the last time we saw Rava before this week? The last time we saw Rava, I the think it was like season kids. two. Yeah. We saw the kids were there when um he tried to kill himself, allegedly. We, we agree that was a suicide yeah, attempt, right? When he, yeah, in the pool. Um, yeah, that's the last time I think we saw the kids. I don't think the kids are coming back. <laughs> I'd have to guess not. I don't think so either. I don't think Iverson, if, uh, after getting punched by his grandpa, I don't think he wants, uh, I don't think he wants to back in the family fold. That would be my if guess. If Uncle Ewan isn't coming back, I don't think we're going to see Iverson again. <laughs> Justice Probably for Uncle not. Ewan. Uh, Best scene, Alex. I just Tom and Shiv fight. Uh, there's no, there's no other choice. Can, can I throw in a quick contender? It's not gonna sure. win, obviously. This is more like an undercard. I think we should throw in undercards because this is obviously like the, you know, this is um Mayweather. You know, I I don't remember who his biggest fights were. But like Mayweather, you know, versus an actual opponent, not the Patsy she's been fighting for the last Della 10 Hoya. years. Yeah, Delahoya, that's a good one. Um, we need some like Nate Robinson, you know, Pac-Man Jones fights. I know he didn't fight Pac-Man Jones, but we need some like little undercards here. And I think a scene that I don't think people are going to talk a lot about, I thought was really cool, was that scene between Kendall and uh, Matson towards the end. Where Kendall's doing a lot of implying about Ken or about Matson's uh, finances, and Matson's just trying to save face, but Ken's keeping his cool. He's being a total fucking badass. I thought that scene was awesome. Um, also, right before that, <laughs> there was a scene where Connor's like, "No one at this party takes me seriously," or he's like, "I'm talking to the one person at this party who takes me seriously," implying Willa. When Roman's yelling at Connor, which, by the way, also is probably a undercard nomination. Um, right. And Matson's in the background <laughs> pointing at himself. It's like kind of blurry because, you know, the how the camera works on succession. It's a yeah. lot of like focus in on the main character in that scene. But you can see a blurry Matson is like only one person at this party takes me seriously. And he's pointing double fingers at himself. I was dying laughing. That was such a, a funny part of the episode. But obviously, I, I just needed to slip that in there because I... This show is so fucking funny. <laughs> it is very funny, uh, and that that's a that's a prime example of it. And it ended up biting Matt, Matson in the ass because he wasn't uh, so lively after that. Uh, who got it the worst? I had a couple nominees here. Uh, I had Roman because he tries to sweet talk Jerry into possibly coming back and just absolutely gets shut down. Absolutely gets the door slammed in his face. Uh, and then Matson, of course, fudging the numbers, leading Shiv astray. Uh, 
possibly tanking the deal. And he kind of got he kind of got humiliated when he showed up at the party late. And then eventually he got owned by Kendall, but subtly. So I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go with Matson because it turned out to be a total fraud, as we said off the top. Um uh, I don't I hard really hard for me to see this deal getting done in any way. If anything, Waystar is gonna buy Gojo. If anything. Yes, which uh Kendall and Frank were planning at the end of the episode. Um I think I'm gonna go Grant Hill and I'm gonna go Jason Kidd here. I think they both deserve it. So rookies. Um, cause you brought hey, up man, the Jerry Steve McNair co-MVPs. Exactly. You <laughs> brought up the uh, Jerry thing with Roman, but also how he fumbled handling his brother in this episode. And he kind of started to melt down on Roman or not on Roman on Connor um, towards the end of the episode. Thankfully, Kendall was there to kind of pick up, yeah, when, Basically, when things don't go Roman's way, the meltdown begins. Yes. And it ends up manifesting itself in, you know, Jerry's firing, for instance. Do you do you want to hear a basketball analogy? So sure. Roman in Freud. this episode Roman in this episode was LeBron James. LeBron being guarded I, by Jason Terry on the block. No, this is game six, two thousand thirteen. I don't know who Chris Bosch was, but Kendall's Ray Allen. Yeah. He might be Chris Bosch yeah. and Ray Allen. Honestly. I like that. I like that. He, Ron Artest, 2010 finals. It's cleaning up the mess. Making it cleaning happen. I mean, honestly, he was right there. And he took over that moment, which could have been really volatile and where Manson was taunting his family and basically took over that situation and made it, you know, his again, I cannot emphasize this enough. I've said this how many times on this podcast? I don't trust Kendall, <laughs> but it might not matter. It might not matter. Zach. it's fucking incredible how like much they've made him develop over the last couple of years. It's like, it's honestly astonishing. Because two seasons ago, this Kendall's already crumbled and out of the picture. Now, Broken. he is the picture. Owned by his dad. Yes. Literally owned by his dad. Now he is the picture. Now they have to go through him. And what did he say at the end of the episode? Only one can wear the crown. I think it's going right. to... Unless something drastic happens, I think it's going to be him. Oh, and also, also, yep. it, against... Roman's favor because what we've said about Matson, I don't think I need to say again. Um, the kids are definitely setting him up at his dad's funeral to make a fucking fool of himself. Like they're doing yeah. what they thought they were doing when they let Kendall go up on stage by himself. Um, but it's actually going to happen with Roman at Logan's funeral. I'm booking it. It's going to be a fucking disaster. Absolute fucking disaster. And the fact that they didn't say anything, no, means they know and they, they don't care. It's beneficial for them, actually, if you think about it. Beneficial for them, especially Kendall, uh, which again plays into our theory. Kendall will be alone at the top at the end of all this. 
Perhaps the most famous category on Circles A Cinema, the block in the back award for the most brainless decision made in the episode. We have Connor staying in the race, which, based on how he talked about it a couple minutes ago, might not be so brainless. Uh, we'll see how that actually goes. Then we have Mankin offering Connor like two different positions in his cabinet and getting turned down. And then we have, of course, Matson inflating the subscriber numbers. I'm going with Matson here because it's he seemed like you he seemed a- like the villain. For yeah, like he seemed like this calculating villain, like this unorthodox but genius businessman who was just always going to get his way and always win. And now he's just fumbling the bag. A total bungle. A total bungle by Lucas Matson. I mean, again, you could throw so many things in here. I, I think it's got to be Connor, though. Because, again, we I could end up being totally wrong here. I will admit that. Um, but you were offered the golden parachute. <laughs> Right, you can be an ambassador, U.S. Right. ambassador. Now, Willa, wrong with um, that. Willa probably did make a good point <laughs> that um, her family fucking hates him. <laughs> She's like, my family fucking hates Minkin, and that's probably why Connor seems to be a good husband for all of his flaws, which of which there are many. Um, I still, I got to go with him staying in the race. I, I think it's a bad idea and I, I'm willing to eat it if I'm wrong, but I don't think I will be. I don't think you will be either. Um, two worthy choices for that category. Uh, the big winner of the episode, I went with Kendall. I went with Kendall, uh, turned out looking pretty good at the end of the party. Uh, made Matson look like an idiot. His brother made him look like a genius. He's phasing Tom and Shiv out again through no doing of his own. It's just kind of happening for him. You know, sometimes, and I was saying this on the pod last night on Insanity, like sometimes it's just somebody's year. You know, you know, Dirk in 2011, like just his year. Giannis in 2021, just just his year. This year, it might be Embiid's year. You know, it's it's the year of Embiid. Wins the MVP, finally breaks through the Celtics roadblock, finally breaks through to the conference finals, finally vanquishes those demons. Now, Kendall, things are falling in his favor. He's making good moves. He's getting better as a business guy. I just think he's going to be the big winner, not just for this episode, but at the end of all of it. He's been the big winner for like the last four episodes. I don't think we've had, other than um, steroid Carl, Balco Carl, I don't think we've had another. I don't think we've had anyone. Carl. (laughs) I don't think we've had another contender. It's been. No. Which again, took. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's why you can't trust Kendall. 
<laughs> because he's on the mountaintop for so long. The floor will eventually crumble from underneath him, but we only have three more episodes. It's not like right, there's a lot of time left for it. Only, yeah. It's not a lot of time left for the floor to crumble out from underneath him. So I, I'm curious to see what happens. But it has to be Kendall. I mean, no one else really wanted this episode. Maybe Greg. Yeah, but, maybe Greg. Maybe Greg, but... This is Greg's first episode in, like, how many weeks? Well, he did have that little bit in the last one in Living Plus with the audio editor. But that's really all he got. Yeah. This hasn't been a good Greg season. No, it hasn't. Greg Pete is more Greg focusing on the core members of the family. Greg really peaked at fuck Greenpeace, and then it's really gone downhill for his character since then. Um, I mean, but to, just to kind of keep it pushing, Zach, for Big Loser, we got Matson and we got Tom and Shiv. I think I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I'm just going to do Tom. Because Matson, you know, Matson, I think will be fine in the long run. Shiv, as Tom so dutifully pointed out, Shiv will always be fine. Where does Tom go from here? What does Tom, what does old Tommy go? <laughs> I'm sure if you called him Tommy, he would fucking hate that. Um, but where does what? Tom go? Where does Tom go from here? Like, what's his pivot? Shiv's pivot is, you know, oh, I'm a fucking Roy. Lucas's pivot is, oh, you know, haha, I can just make this money back somehow. What is, what is Tom's pivot? I don't think there's a way out of this, which is why he is my big loser. Who was your big loser? Uh, you know, you just swayed me because I was going to go co-MVPs here with Tom and Shiv and Matson, a, a three-way MVP. but a three-way MVP? A three-way MVP, historic stuff. But I'm actually gonna. You swayed me. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I am gonna go with Tom just because for the reasons he literally said. Like, where do I go? Where do I go? There's nowhere. There's nowhere for me to go. So you swayed me on that one. So congrats, congrats, Alex. You swayed me on that one. Thank you. Uh, the final category before we do wild card, which I'm actually very excited for. Wild card. <laughs> The Dylan Hughes Slip in the DMs Award for a cast member, a crew member, or a character whose DMs you would slip into to ask a question. I'm going with Matson's secretary. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but Ebba? The one. Ebba, yes. Ebba. Ebba got the blood sent to her. Has some very, very incriminating ev- evidence against Matson that would get him canceled in an instant. I am DMing her and being like, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? You could axe this deal and probably lobby it in a way where you could get a position with Kendall at Waystar. What's the holdup, Ebba? Ebba. My, I am also sliding in Ebba's DMs, but that's not the question I'm asking. My question is, what did Kendall say to you to get that information out of you? Because another thing Roman bungled tonight or on this week's episode, he bungled getting that information out of Ebba. He was like not very subtle, very straight to the point. And Ken's like, hey, can I bum a smoke? And next thing you know, they have this like earth shattering information. 
<laughs> what did Kendall say to you? That is my slip in the DM or. I agree. We both have Ebba. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Also, I'm still trying unsuccessfully to figure out who um, Carl's steroid dealer is. No luck so far. I'm still saying Balco. 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 Maybe Balco A-Rod. Carl. They, are in New- they are in New York. A-Rod. Still living in New York, I believe. <laughs> no, maybe A-Rod hooked him up. I don't know. A-Rod steroid <laughs> supplier. This is a... <laughs> Anthony Google Bosch. Search. Bosch, yeah. Bosch. That's his name. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I guess that John Carlos Stanton. You can't tell me John Carlos Stanton's not juicing. He probably Some hook you up. Baseball players are definitely still juicing. That's another conversation for another time, though. It is, but uh, Alex, before we wrap it up, before we go into the plugs, I have a wild card for you. NBA related, okay. NBA playoff history. We have a ranking for you to do. Rank these playoff performances from one to three. I have 2011 Dirk Nowitzki. I have 2019 Kawhi Leonard. And I have 2021 Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, man, that's tough. Okay. I, have, I have the track records in front of me if you want them. I have them in front of me right here. If you want to so read can- them, yeah, that'll give me a good chance to think because you threw me for a loop. Those are three of my favorite playoff runs ever. Oh, here we go. Oh, we got. I'll start with 2011 Dirk. Okay, first round. They play the Brandon Roy, Lamarcus Aldridge Blazers. They win in six. Next round, they sweep the two-time defending NBA champion, three-time defending Western Conference champion. Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Lakers. They sweep Phil Jackson into retirement. So that's round two. Round three, they beat a very young OKC team. Every game in that series was close. Kevin Durant's first really deep playoff run. Then in the finals, of course, no next, no explanation needed. They beat LeBron and Wade and in six, one of the best finals performances ever by, by Dirk Nowitzki. 2019 Kawhi. Of course, very well documented. Still deeply burned in the memory. They beat Orlando in five in round one. The DJ Augustine game, the only game the Magic won that round. Then, of course, in the second round, the seven-game series against Philly, the shot, we all know about that. Probably the most iconic moments out of these three players that we're talking about. Then Milwaukee in the in the conference finals, they go down 2-0, they come back and win four straight. And then basically in the finals, sends Golden State into a two-year tailspin, ends the Durant era in Golden State. So there's Kawhi's resume for that. And then in 2021, for Giannis, should be said, was only a 72-game season, but nonetheless. Round one, they sweep Miami, the defending East champs. Round two, they beat Brooklyn 
the KD Brooklyn Nets seven game series. KD's foot difference in that one, as we remember. And then in the East Finals, they play this kind of outlier Hawks team that broke through because Philly choked in epic Philly fashion. And then, of course, in the finals, they come back from a 2-0 deficit against an awesome Suns team that I was convinced was going to win the finals from round one. Giannis drops 50 in the game-clinching win, or in the series-clinching win. So, Alex, based off that, rank them 3-1. 2011 Dirk, 2019 Kawhi, 2021 Giannis. This, this was really hard, but actually number three was really easy um, because number three, um, the Heat were gassed after coming back after having what? What did they have, like six weeks of rest? Yeah, it wasn't Between the finals. Yeah, and then they played that Hawks team. Like you said, a little bit of an outlier. <laughs> I mean, Giannis didn't play, what, the last three games of that series and they still Lucky. smoked the Hawks? Lucky Hawks so, team. Yeah. So Giannis, by virtue of that, will go last. However, his game six is better than either any of the games either of the other two put up. I don't think that's disputable. Um, I agree. So number two, I'm going to go with Kawhi. Um, the only difference being, I think Kawhi and Dirk are super duper similar. But... You have to give Dirk credit because those Trailblazers teams were super tough. And the Raptors played the Magic that year, right? You said it was the Magic. It was the Magic. Yeah. yeah. The Augustine game. Yeah. Vucevic and, Vucevic and uh, Fournier and Aaron Gordon aren't comparable to Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> no offense. But I no. don't think it's the same um, level of fear in being inspired. So... You have that, but those two are like neck and neck. I mean, the shot in game seven, I mean, he completely shut down the Bucks, um, but also Dirk completely shut down the Heat. I mean, I, again, this is really tough. I'll go Dirk one because that was such a, f- a crazy run. Like he basically ended the Lakers dynasty um, for all intents. We didn't realize it at the time, but the Lakers team was toast after that. Um, he yes, basically it ruined... Ruined Lakers basketball until LeBron got there. If you think about it, um, the Blazers, you know, or whatever, the Thunder. I mean, he overcame three Hall of Famers, and again, they were very young Hall of Famers. But you can't be surprised that a group of three Hall of Famers made the conference finals in like their. That was Katie's fourth Age season, twenty-one season, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you also have, you know, the Heat, <laughs> all that, like that super team. The Heat on balance were better than... I mean, by the end of the series, I'd say the Heat and the Warriors were pretty even. (laughs) But... uh, It's really tough. I could talk myself into going either way, but just for my own sanity, I will go Dirk 1, Kawhi 2, Giannis 3. How about you? Yeah, I'd have the exact same order. Uh, Looking at the box scores for that Mavs-Thunder series, Thunder were the youngest team in the league. By far, uh, like you said, three Hall of Famers. They had an epic seven-game series with the Grizzlies. The Thunder did. This was the round before. Because if you remember, that was the year the Grizzlies beat the Spurs in round one as an eight seed. 
but listen to these. So game one of the series, Dallas wins by nine. Game two, Thunder win by six. Game three, Dallas wins by six. Game four, Dallas wins in overtime. And then game five, they only win by four. So it's it one of those five-game series where kind of like the finals the Thunder made, where, yeah, they lost in five, but every game was close. Could have gone either way. Just really interesting to think about that Thunder team, that young in a big stage like that. They ended up making three more conference finals after that when Durant was there, but I would have the same order. So that's interesting because like I was saying earlier, like sometimes there's just a year where a player is like, it's my time. You know, it's my time. It's our, a team is like, it's our time. You know, it's, we're supposed to win this year. And I feel like all three of those that we just talked about were instances of that. So I would have the same order. Just real quick, because Kawhi had a crazy run that year too. Um, 30.5 points a game, nine rebounds, four assists, 1.7 steals a game, 53% on twos, 38% on threes, nine free throw attempts, 88% from the free throw line. So this dude was getting to the free throw line, basically wasn't missing. Um, getting to the free throw line a ton. Getting to the free throw line nine times a game for 24 games? <laughs> That's what? That's almost 240 free throws. <laughs> That's an insane amount for a 24-game sample. It's like, okay, especially in the playoffs with the tighter whistle. He was just dominating games. Now, Kyle Lowry carried them over the finish line in game six, but game one of the first round and game five of the finals, Kawhi got them most of the way there. Um, now, Dirk had a lot of help, too. A lot of help. That Mavs team was low-key stacked. Like, we don't talk about that enough. Not stacked with, like, superstars, mm-hmm. but stacked with, like, Really good role players. Chandler, um, Marion, Kid, Terry. Um, I mean, Roderick was, Bobois. <laughs> yeah, Bobois, Jan Mahimi, Wash Peja. Ron Butler was on that team. He didn't play in the playoffs, Bob, but he was on the team. He was on the he was a starter earlier in the season. Brian Cardinal. Brian Cardinal legend. had some huge moments. It's a shame, but like that Kawhi's career is ending the way it is. JJ Barea, <laughs> man, that guy was special. This was a really hard wild card. Thank you for making me think so hard. Of course, that's what I'm here for: NBA trivia and movie discussions. Of course, movie and TV discussions. That's what I'm here for. But another disgusting brothers in the books. We'll be back next week to talk about the election. Alex, thank you always for joining me. And listeners, thank you very much for listening.